stuff. It's a late night treat. I mean, it's not really that late, but it's a late night treat. It's very late. <laughs> to welcome my buddy. I can, I can safely say my buddy, Ethan Berlin, to the Good Ooh. Stuff Kids podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we should say that we have we have fully met in person and like actually worked together in a very sort of very low key way. Well, low key for me. It may have been more, uh, more up-tempo for you, but, but you... Um, you you do a lot of stuff, and we're going to dig into this a little bit about all these things that you do. I think that, um, you know, people know you for a variety of things, uh, some writing, some books, some podcasting, and we're going to sort of touch on all of those things as we go. But I think before we, well, we'll, we'll give a little teaser. What are some of the things that, that you're known for, Ethan? Uh, I do that thing where it's like, I'm not touching you. I do that one uh, where I keep my finger about an inch away from you. Uh, I also do uh, Why Are You Hitting Yourself? Uh, I learned both uh, those from my older brother. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a comedy writer for TV is my uh, original thing. Mm-hmm. I guess, and then uh, you know I've written a lot of weird uh, comedy shows, uh, Crank Anchors, Billy on the Street. Uh, I had my own show on IFC called Bunk. Uh, I just finished uh, working on a show called Paid Off on True TV, the second season where we uh, it's a weird comedy game show where we pay off people's student debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently, I've been turning more to kids stuff. I uh, my first uh, kids book, picture book, uh, the hugely woodly spider, came out in May of 2018, and I'm also the voice of Lisa on the uh, podcast Pants on Fire. Wow! All right, so that's uh, that's quite a it's quite an amazing resume. I I grew, you know Crank Anchors. I know Crank Anchors. I used to watch Crank Anchors a lot. Um, that that always made me laugh. Um, so so if we were to travel back in time, you know, bear with me. If we were to travel back in time, and oh, I have so many things I want to change. <laughs> okay, so I'm well, gonna how, pick different glasses. Start with the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> So if it were uh, not necessarily to change things, but when did you realize, and I think this is uh, uh, interesting for people to hear potentially who may also feel like they have the gift of comedy, um, but how old were you or like, what were you doing when you were like, oh, I'm, I'm funny. Like, this is, this is what I mm. do. Like, this is my thing. Oh, real young. Uh, I definitely figured out by third grade that I was that I could use comedy as a tool I was uh, a very heavy kid and I figured out if I were to make fun of myself first I could deflate the situation get out ahead of it make people laugh and and, uh, nobody could go after me 
so it's a sad story uh, <laughs> but uh yeah and then i mean from there you know my parents are funny so I, I think i was just kind of a funny kid and then i learned to use it and then i started doing plays in like i don't know fifth grade okay and then as soon as i did plays that was it uh, you know i was off to the races it was all i wanted to do was uh, make, uh, make things. I, my sister, she's, uh, four and a half years older and she, she was applying for colleges and rented a camcorder for the weekend. This was a different time. Uh-huh. Uh, and she was, uh, doing, she played the viola. So she was like doing taped auditions and that took maybe two hours, and then suddenly we had a camcorder in our house, which we never had. We didn't own one. Right. And like me and my friends were just like, oh, my God, we have three days until this camcorder has to be returned, and we are going to make as many movies as possible. That's so fun. Uh, and, any, any of them still exist? Uh, I mean, you got to contact the guys at the Smithsonian. <laughs> they're, they're there somewhere. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I have them on speed dial. If, yeah, if, if yeah. that's still a thing too. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, you know, and then in a lot of what you do, or, or I think that when I think of you know, and I think this is based on the conversation that we have, but you do a lot of improvising. How did you sort of sharpen those skills? Was that something that you did when you were in college? Um, was it something that you just naturally can do? Um, you know, it, I, I'm interested in hearing like what how that side of you developed because to be able to be funny on the spot is much different than you know writing in a notebook and then you know standing right. on a stage and being funny uh i mean part of it is learned i mean my dad is really funny so part of it is the conversations i was kind of trained to have as a person Mm-hmm. were I was always trained not intentionally but to listen to what people were saying so then I could like <laughs> pick it apart in a funny way <laughs> which is by the way not the greatest quality for <laughs> having a conversation with someone right right you're listening for you're listening for for how to turn the joke rather than yes. right. yeah, I get that I yeah, get that there totally. are some people who are like oh I'm having this conversation so that I can have a serious exchange of ideas or an emotional <laughs> moment between two people. I'm just like, okay, I can, I can trip you up on some jokes here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so part of it's just kind of ingrained in me. And then I did, I mean, I did a little improv in college and then it wasn't until I, I trying to think I did, a, you know, like a couple of classes in my twenties and then, in my 30s, I moved to New York City from California, and I took, I did one through the training at the People's Improv Theater here in New York, and that was great. And you know, I kind of learned more, uh, yeah. more specific rules of improv, or kind of how to expand upon my natural talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, but a lot of writing for comedy when you're in a writer's room is that you know listening to what other people are saying and then riffing based yeah. on that. Right, and it's got to be so fun. Yeah. Is it the most fun you can have, or like? Mm, 
<laughs> uh, it is for a little bit of time. Oh, okay. And then it gets real. Got it. And uh, then well, no, it just gets like, oh, man, are we still in this room? <laughs> is it still today? <laughs> yeah, the days are very long and... I don't know. It also it's sort of like a drug that you have to get. Uh, the kind of writers' rooms are so incredibly filthy in terms of like you know, dirtiness of jokes, just because you're telling jokes to people who've heard a million jokes that day. So it's like you have to just like get so extreme in order to get a laugh, and then you're like, oh. I don't feel good about myself now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is that is so real. That is so yeah. real. Um, yeah. Wow. So, so the you mentioned that you're an executive producer, and I think this is a good sort of teaching moment for folks. Like, sure. I think that people understand what it means to be a writer, and I think that people understand what it means to be in the writer's room. You know, and I think that mm-hmm. people even can put themselves in the position of being like, "Well, I've been doing X." thing for like eight hours and i'm about to like you know i'm about to lose it so things things get a little weird everybody gets that but one thing i don't think people actually do get is what it means to be an executive producer uh you're very important i'm super important okay every thought of mine matters uh Uh, it depends on the show on the you know on paid off i'm an executive producer i uh there's there's really no set of like oh here's your job duties the major thing i think that separates it from for at least for me from being a writer is i when i'm just a writer my job is to think of the funniest thing that could happen in whatever the situation is mm-hmm. uh, as you kind of move up, your job is to vet everything that people have pitched. But then you also have to have this second brain of like, okay, this is the funniest version, but this version requires us to have an extra camera so that we can really execute that joke. And uh, we don't have an extra camera or... (laughs) This requires the host to come in on a Saturday or requires uh, uh, if we want to do this, uh, I have to have a conversation with the network because they specifically don't like this kind of joke. And I have to then go convince them to let us do this kind of joke. And is it are we going to is this the fight we want to fight about or is it better to you know wait until something else there's a lot of it just like getting into the politics of network politics and money stuff and just bigger kind of questions than is this the funniest joke right and i think that that but what's what's fascinating about it for people like me who have no idea what really goes on behind the scenes um there's so much that goes into it that is just not glamorous, right? Like going to the network and trying to get them to, to let you tell the joke that you want to tell. I can only imagine like, <laughs> it just sounds stressful. You know, like, it, <laughs> yeah, it is stressful. And then you sort of have to sigh and you're like, all right. And you, 
steel yourself for it and you have to anticipate what the call is going to be like or what the conversation is yeah and it's all it's all kind of uh, bartering it's just you're like okay well we can do this but then we have to give up this yeah and yeah i don't yeah. i mean yeah uh it's 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 a lot of things it, it's it's fun things. it's good to i don't know I have nothing else to say on that matter. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's let's turn let's turn to something a, a little uh, maybe maybe a little more joyful than some of the nitty gritty of being an executive producer. Sure. I'm sure that being an executive producer has its moments of of greatness and fun. Um, I think that the the work that goes into it is is probably shocking to a lot of people who don't know the industry. But one thing that uh, you know that we know is what it's like to have kids. And I would love mm. to know. So I've, I've seen you in action. I've seen what you do. You wrote a book called the hugely woogly spider. So yeah. I, it, it, it's so brilliant. It's so simple. Oh, it, it's right there, right? Like it's a bitsy spider. Okay. Everybody knows that. But then what, ha- like, where were you when the idea hit you? I think this is that, that it would be so interesting to know. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I'll take a minor step back in okay. this story, which is I so because I work in TV, the nature of it is I'll work on one show and I'm working on that, you know, 80 hours a week for three months and then I'm doing nothing for two months and then I'm, you know, working on another show for a month or it's very uh not seasonal but it's you work on and off so in those down periods i'm always trying to uh figure out what i want to do for myself creatively so there was a period about uh, four years ago where i finished a tv show and i'm real into technology like i like reading tech blogs and that kind of thing so I decided that my next career move was going to be making funny apps uh-huh. for phones, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, spoiler alert, that is not a good career move. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so oh, I, right. <laughs> I learned codes. Not that I, I learned how to use this program called Game Salad, where you can make games and i used it to make an iphone app uh called revenge of the calculators okay it's a funny calculator app a, a prank calculator app uh there's no genre for this mm-hmm. uh it's not like oh everyone knows funny calculator apps um and it's funny and uh people like it yeah that's uh uh, I um, probably lost three or four hundred dollars making it. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh, it's now free, available in the uh, iPhone and Android App Store. Okay. But the reason I tell the story is I was showing it off at a party, uh, and there uh, happened to be a woman there who was a uh, book editor, a kids' book editor, and she really liked it and thought it was funny. And she said, "You know, have you ever?" considered writing kids books i at that time hadn't i had a oh i think i had a my oldest son was three then and my youngest son was maybe six months old Mm -hmm. 
so I'd read a ton of kids' books, you know, a lot every night. Yeah. And I had definite opinions over the ones where I was like, oh, please don't pick that. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where that one is. It must be downstairs. <laughs> oh, well, let's read this one that I want to read. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, basically she walked me through in the party, you know, I had a ton of questions like what should it look like with the when I send it to you and you know, how does it work with the illustrations and she in maybe 20 minutes gave me the shortest description of that process. Mm-hmm. And from that point I was just trying to brainstorm ideas and one night I was Singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider to my oldest son in the while he was taking a bath, and then I uh, just thought, well, if there was a really tiny spider, there must have been a really big spider. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, I was a very heavy kid, and uh, it sort of just all kind of clicked of like, oh, what if there was a hugely woozly spider who was much bigger than all the other spiders and couldn't fit up the water spout because of that and what what would that be like for him and then i i think i just wrote that down on my phone as like a quick one or two sentences and maybe the same night or the next night i uh was feeding my younger son in the middle of the night a bottle and i while i held him in the bottle with one hand i wrote the first draft on my phone with the other hand. Wow, amazing. A, multitasking. B, yes. <laughs> serious late night dadding. Like all of yeah. these things are, are, re- are really, really great. So, you know, we, we're not going to get into too much of the story. I think that like selling it on like the hugely woogly spider, like what could possibly happen? It's a hero's journey. Let's just say that, right? <laughs> it <laughs> is. It's an, it's an epic tale. It's an epic tale. And uh, I, I think that's so, you know, you never know when inspiration will strike. And I think that yeah. that's, uh, that's a really neat idea to, you know, you're giving your kid a bath and you're singing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, boom, that's where it is. Um, and I love the idea of being in the right place at the right time. And th- this woman was really interested in, in your app. We should also say there's another app that we're going to get to in a second. But, um, sure. you know, that uh, she she realized that she she had she had a gold mine. She'd stumble upon it. <laughs> um, sure. So so let's talk about the the other app that you made um and and it's uh it's called what's that button do and i'll let you take it from there what's what's this one man this one's even harder to describe that's what you want when you have a product you should have it be unexplainable Unexplainable so people are like what is it uh so what's that button do is a oh i'm just gonna say it's a digital toy okay Uh, it is a iPad-only app for kids that are, I would say, two to five, two to six. Uh, it's uh, there's kind of three digital toys within it that uh, kids can push buttons, and weird and funny things happen. There's one that's an elevator level where it's like a simulated elevator, just based on the uh, sheer joy that my kids get from pushing elevator buttons. Oh, that's the greatest. Uh, and also the fights they've had over 
who gets to push the elevator. <laughs> yeah, the bloodiest. They, yeah, it really is. <laughs> they currently have an agreement where my older son gets to push the button that summons the elevator, uh-huh. and then my younger son gets to push the floor button. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, way, that is a very much more sophisticated. And the way we do it, we call it the outside and the inside button. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, once you start designing yeah. weird you you think about buttons a lot more um so well that sounds good i mean what kid doesn't love to push buttons you know it's like part of of the job description that's sort of the idea that i was like oh my kids really like buttons uh let's make an app for them to do it uh i made it at the time when i was working this very stressful job and i made it all i figured there's a software where you can make apps on the ipad and i would just make it on my commute and i would do a little bit each day yeah and then i made it and then uh i don't think i lost as much on that one (laughs) but i also didn't put as much money into it got it so yeah yeah that that's the side of app making that people don't know that it, yeah. you got to put money in, and then you know, there, there it goes. It's gone. It's like Vegas, gone. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's to me, it's like, oh, this is a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. The same way I would spend, if my hobby was model trains, I would spend money on the model trains, and I would never expect to get that money back. Right. So that's right. my relationship to apps. Good perspective. Um, so the the other piece that I want to touch on, unless and, and by the way, if there's something I missed, please let me know. But you you are also involved in the Pants on Fire podcast, and you're yeah. the voice of Lisa. So first of yeah, all, yeah. who's Lisa? Tell us a little bit about Lisa. Sure, Lisa stands for Live in Studio Audience. Uh, he is a sound effects generating robot on Pants on Fire, which is a game show where they're a kid. A real human contestant is presented with two adults. Uh, Both of the adults are uh, claiming to be experts in a subject. One of them is and one of them is a liar. And the kid has to ask a series of questions to try and figure out which one is the real expert. Got it. Is is everything uh, taped live? Uh, yes. Uh, we, when we, uh, record them, we did one last weekend and basically they rent a studio space for a day and we record between six and eight episodes in a day. Got it. So, and so, so how much of what you do on that specific show is written and how much of it is you just improvising and, and riffing? there's uh it varies by episode i would say about 20 percent of it is written there the parts that are written for me the intro is written there's like a a short conversation up top between deborah goldstein and i deborah's the host and writer and producer of the show and so there's a short part at the beginning that's written, and there's a couple of other like minor parts that are written, but most of it is, uh, again, me just listening to what people are saying and making fun of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's it's really great. My kids oh, love that show. So when we when uh, when you and I met and you revealed that you were the voice of Lisa, 
um, it was uh, that you know immediately we got home and told our kids that that we had met Lisa. They were very excited. Um, so so honestly, have you? Because this has happened to me. I can say this. This has happened to me. Have mm. you been fooled by who is the uh, the expert and who was the liar? Yes, there was one. So sometimes I know who it is. I try when we're playing the show, when we're actually recording an episode, I try not to find out uh-huh. beforehand. Sometimes there's a reason why I do find out, but the, the most I try not to know and I play along yeah. in my mind. And there was one this past week that we were recording and I was really surprised. And yeah. both the... No, the kid got it right, and I got it wrong, and I was really surprised. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, no spoilers. So do you, yeah. any, uh, any rough idea when the, the new episodes are coming? I don't know. Great. Well, stay, uh, stay tuned. We will, we'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> what I like – so I've had this kind of uh, – so with TV, TV, this has been my career for uh, 16 years, uh-huh. and – I'm very hands-on with it. With uh, starting with the hugely Woodley spider, it was like this is this bonus thing that kind of came into my life. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. So I had this great editor. She had a lot of great ideas, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna let her lead it huh. and do what she does. And the same with Pants on Fire, where it's like this kind of thing came the reason i'm on pants on fire is my wife is friends with deborah she lives in the same town we've met at parties and she's super funny and we get along and she asked me if i wanted to be on this thing and i was like yeah i'll try it and and i have the same sort of attitude where i'm like you know what this is a bonus thing in my life i don't need to control this Uh and i'm just gonna go and have fun Uh sometimes i can become too involved in things too controlling uh-huh. and so these are just all kind of like you know what i'm gonna let someone else run these and i'm just gonna come in and have fun yeah uh, interesting so, so does that apply when you are you know so we met at the at the book festival here mm-hmm. in houston um does that sort which of, is awesome by the way yeah that was that really was cool. A cool event yeah um I blew my mind that the uh, the scale of it actually. Um, yeah. But but when you are so is that same sort of attitude because I know that you've not just done the the Houston piece but you've been mm. sort of all over the country doing that. Is it is it a uh, is it similar when you're going to all these places in terms of how you're feeling about what you need to do? You know, in ter- I guess that idea of of control and and sort of having your hands you know on everything, making sure it goes right. Um, is that like that? in that aspect of it when you're touring with the book or is it more of that hands-off feeling? Uh, it has to be a little more hands-on just because when I go into a particular location, it's, you know, there's someone who's, you know, in running the event, but then it's like, okay, now it's your turn. You go and do your thing. Yeah. So I, I basically I need to know what my thing is. I need to know what my presentation is. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, the, other than that, you know, I've been lucky to work. The locations that I visited are just so amazing, and they put on uh, just such wonderful events. Huh. So yeah. 
there's not much for me to do other than just go be like super funny, you know. <laughs> hey, you're funny guy. Be funny, funny yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> make us laugh. <laughs> yeah, make us laugh. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So you mentioned paid off, which is coming to True TV. Um, yeah. I, I have like some some sort of on the spot kinds of questions that uh, sure. that I'm gonna that I'd love to ask you, um, and you know. Sidebar: I'm, If you're, if it doesn't work out, then you'll, we'll, we can feel free to edit it. But um, so, like, you, you've worked a lot with a lot of sort of noteworthy people, you know. And I'm not going to run down mm-hmm. the list, but I, what I think would be really interesting to know from your perspective as a nice guy, like, who are like, who's one or two people that you've worked with where you've been like really pleasantly surprised by the whatever it is, the kindness of the person, or the niceness of the person, or the genuineness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would be. I'm interested in that. Sure. That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, the host of Paid Off, Michael Torpy, who uh, people probably know best from uh, Orange is the New Black. He's uh, immensely kind and uh, smart and generous and just a good person. Uh Billy Eichner, who I got to write for on the first yeah. and second season of Billy on the Street, he's immensely. He's, I mean, if you know him from TV, his character on Billy on the Street is very kind of acerbic and aggressive. And in person, he's not that at all. He's, yeah. you know, very nice and generous. He, and, he doesn't yell at you. Yeah. No, no, there's no, there's no screaming and shoving money at us. Uh, if only. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Now I feel like if I leave someone out, I'm like, uh, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, everyone I've worked with is very kind. <laughs> if you're listening, you're very kind, and I love you. Well answered. Um, okay, so. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, Kamal Bell is great. I've worked with Oh, Kamal Bell, Bell, yeah. He's a smart guy. But also, uh, he's, you know, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, he's going to be a jerk. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that. Um, okay, so now this one might be hard too because I know it's kind of like potentially like choosing which of your kids you like better. Which obviously we like oh, all of our kids. All right, the kid I like the. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to answer that. Okay, sorry, never mind. But is there a joke that you've written, maybe one or two, that you're like, wow, that is just like that's my best joke at this point. Cause obviously like you chase the dragon a little bit and you always want the next joke to be the best joke. But is there one where you're like, wow, that, that sticks. And I'm really proud of that one. Hmm. I don't know if there are particular jokes. Something that will happen is there'll be, uh, so I made this show, uh, my friend Eric Bryan and I created this show called bunk for IFC uh, it was a game show we did, uh, just a real weird, super weird show. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And I had a question. It was something I was trying to figure out about another show I'm working on. And I wanted to see an episode. So I watched it. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, man, there's so many funny moments in here that I completely forgot about. It's those sort of things where it's not necessarily something that I remember. It's more something like, oh, wow, that, I don't remember that. And it makes me laugh. Yeah, like and, every, everything kind of clicked on that particular yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, which is uh, 
totally different than some other things where I see that I did a long time ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. What happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've all been there for sure. Yeah. Um, so you're a busy guy, right? How do we keep up with everything that you're doing? And, and you know, and I think that people will want to potentially learn more about you and check out some of the sure, stuff that yeah, you've yeah, done. Yeah. Like, what's the best way? Like, is it sure. Twitter, Facebook, website, what have you? Did you say Twizzlers? I did. I love Twizzlers. Twizzlers are the, oh, well, this is going to get very political. I'm a Twizzler guy, but yeah. some people, if there are Red Vine listeners out there, I forgive you and I understand. I don't understand. I forgive them, but I don't understand. It makes okay, no, it makes no sense. Right. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, probably the best way is is on Twitter at uh, Ethan T Berlin. Uh, you can check out my website, which is ethantberlin.com. You can uh, uh, maybe find me in the dog park sometimes. <laughs> uh, not as much as my dog would like me to go. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think Twitter is probably the best. Great. Uh, hit me up uh if people are listening i would love to come uh, share the book with them i i can't reveal it yet because it hasn't been announced but i just sold uh, my second picture book kids nice. picture awesome uh so maybe when that comes out hopefully i can come back to houston because that was fantastic we'll do it we'll go out for food yeah. it'll be great um, oh, barbecue <laughs> barbecue for sure i got i got spots for you um yeah so ethan uh, this has been a long time in the works and it lived up to my expectations. I want to thank you a lot and uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Of course. Thank you. Yeah.